0: Homestyle Green, episode number 70, Black Pine Architects. G'day, welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. I'm Matthew Cutler-Welsh, the host of the show, and this is the podcast about inspiring people to make a better place to live. Now, I just got off a Skype call with Duncan Sinclair from Whanganui. And Duncan has a practice in Whanganui called Black Pine Architects. And it's uh it's just himself, his one-man band, but fascinating stuff. He has a reach be far beyond uh Funganui, and is doing some work all around the place, really. And we talk a little about a bit about why and how he is achieving that. We also talk about what's inspired Duncan to do the type of work he does at the moment, or, or at least tries to tries to do, uh, which includes Passive House. And that's come up a few times here, and I made sure to ask him if he thought that Passive House, well, obviously he thinks Passive House is relevant to New Zealand because uh, he is encouraging people to do that. But I always like to ask people why they think that is the case and how they address some of the common objections or concerns that people have, particularly around the air tightness uh, about pace of house. So listen in for that. Um, and as always, I started out by asking Duncan why he does what he does.
1: I think it's a combination of, I like the design part of it, of course. Um, the technology and the construction side particularly interests me. Uh, but I think when it comes down to it, it's about the people. The construction often seems focused on the things that you put together mm-hmm. and the buildings you create but i think it's a real team sport and i think predominantly it's about the people that are involved the, the clients and the the constructors the designers the you know the whole team it, every every part's important so the people that, that
0: attracts me to it was that something that you were aware of when you went into architecture yeah, yeah it was
1: um i had worked on quite a few building sites around Around the world, actually, um, in New Zealand, Australia, uh, the US, Europe, Germany, and England. And it, it struck me that each country builds in a slightly different way, mm-hmm. but the people are always key to it. And often they have the same sort of mentality and they approach things in a similar way, often, even if they're building different types of buildings with different materials. So,
0: it's it is fascinating because I've found for myself that it has come back to people and particularly health in my uh situation as well and I almost went against uh environmental stuff um sorry towards environmental stuff because I thought you know people they're pretty healthy as, as a species they don't need much looking after but it, <laughs> but it does uh it does all come back to um looking after people in in place uh largely i think because people aren't going to look after anything else until their their own needs are looked after that's right absolutely
1: it, it, it's like the advice you get on an airplane if you're an adult with a child uh in an emergency take care of yourself first so that you're able to take care of the child yeah and that, that's uh, i think that should be a, a, applies to construction as well and taking care of the people that are putting it together, mm. the end goal is to take care of the people that are going to occupy the building.
0: Yeah. So that's a, a good world view that you must have from all those places that you mentioned. What do you see uh, as being the main problems with houses that are in New Zealand? Um,
1: I, I think, yeah, if, if you think of the biggest problem, I think it's that we build everything to the code. That we build the bare minimum, mm-hmm. and if I put that into a more, I frame it in a more positive manner, I guess the uh, I, I think we should be focusing more on on the health of the occupants, the mm-hmm. people that are using it in the end, and reducing the amount of energy that they use, reducing that to a minimum, uh, for the benefit of the of the planet from a carbon perspective, but also from the the users and the amount of their disposable income which is going out the door to pay for their energy costs. So uh, from from a general housing point of view, I think we could focus more on, on the best use of space. For instance, if you when you fly into any of our cities, Auckland's one that um, occurs to me because it happened to me recently. When you fly in and you look over the suburbs, there's a huge amount of green and there's sort of little houses scattered, sprinkled almost on it. And there's so much wasted space in between. And if you look at some of the other examples around the world where we've where they've built more densely, uh, for instance, multi-multi unit uh, buildings, and then had a large amount of open park space. Uh, Central London, in particular, it, you can create some really beautiful spaces, and the and the benefit is you you save so much on infrastructure and transport costs, and the, I mean the thermal performance goes up then you end up with some really nice outdoor spaces that you can enjoy rather than having a a metre strip in between each house that you need to mow but you can't do anything else with.
0: Yeah, Wouldn't a lot of people say that that's our culture though and we we value that private space? Yeah, we do. But if
1: you're looking out the window, a metre into the neighbour's window, then I don't think that's that private really. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'd argue it's and as as particularly our cities like Auckland Wellington and Christchurch get more more densely populated or more populated that we're we're not using the space to the the best way it can be
0: mm. Now you mentioned the building code and the fact that we only barely hit it in most mm. in a lot of cases, yes, is that something that you have observed overseas yeah you know, why is it such a problem in New Zealand? do you think
1: Well, I think in New Zealand the building code's pretty low. Uh, the yeah. standard's pretty low. Uh, w- when you look at uh, the UK, where they're aiming to uh, reduce their energy use down to zero, net zero uh, energy use buildings, and in Germany, where they're implementing the passive house standard, for instance, uh, at, a, at a, a really wide scale uh, point of view, then the standard which they're building to is so much higher than what we do here.
0: Right. So in other, in, in other places, if they just get into the code, that's actually not as bad as if you're just hitting the code here.
1: That's right. Their, their code is so much higher. They've, they've just progressed a lot further down the track than we have. Right. And if you look back at where we've come from, it's certainly got a lot better. And but we have insulation now. Yeah, we do have insulation. Wow. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and that's a, great, that's a great, great step from where we were before. But you can see you don't have to look very far to see countries that have just gone a whole lot further. Mm. and and you can see the benefits which they get from it.
0: Now, you've gone a whole lot further with your practice. You are strongly aligned with Passive House. Do you do all your houses as Passive House?
1: Uh, no, unfortunately, I haven't managed to convince all my clients to go to Passive House standard, uh, although it, it would be great if they did and uh, it's something that I would definitely encourage.
0: What's the big objection?
1: Generally, cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's I, th- I think that comes back to the, where our code is, where the standard of our code is at the moment. Because if you look back a few years uh, before double glazed windows for instance became popular, uh, the cost of putting double glazed windows in was seen as really prohibitive and as soon as the code lifted to the point where it was almost the default standard to put double glazing in, the cost of double glazing came down yeah. and it became a lot more affordable and suddenly we had much better performing thermal envelopes on the, on our houses. So. I, I think the argument that you don't want to raise the code because it will cost so much more is is a bit flawed. That argument.
0: So it might be painfully painful initially, but it would quickly resolve itself.
1: Definitely, I, I, I definitely believe that. But certainly, the the payback as well to uh, to us all as a community, I think, would be huge. Mm. If you, you know, the reduction in healthcare costs from asthma and and things like that. If we can get warm, dry homes for everybody, uh, it'd be fantastic.
0: So, when you're sitting down with a client, you're having this conversation. What what um, helps them? What helps them uh, get them over the line and and get to a point where you can add a few extra things or increase the the level of insulation.
1: I. I think it's a level of awareness, mm-hmm. uh, awareness of standards in other countries. If they've come from overseas or they've lived in, elsewhere overseas in a in a better built environment, uh, a more thermally high performing environment, then yeah. they understand that actually life can be a lot more comfortable inside. So it, it doesn't yeah. have to be twelve degrees inside the house. You know, it, eighteen and twenty is quite nice, in fact.
0: So it's easier having that conversation with someone who's experienced a warm house.
1: Definitely, definitely, yeah.
0: Right. What advice have you got for anyone who is just starting out on a, their own design building journey?
1: Do you mean f- building their own property? Or- yeah, if they're or- looking or- at
0: renovating or looking to, maybe that's an option they're considering, renovating their existing house or, or looking uh, for a patch of ground to build a new new home. What, uh, what advice would you have for them? I think
1: do, do do your research. I think that's an important part. Mm-hmm. It comes back to the people again. I I would highly recommend that they talk to a number of architects and choose one partly based on how well they can get along with them uh, because that's the relationship is going to be incredibly important. When they choose their builder, I think they should use that as a basis for choosing the builder as well, um, particularly if they're going to be personally involved with the, with the project rather than... Um, being being overseas, for instance, while the building's being built, if, yep. if they have any involvement at all, then you need to get on with everybody. So that's important.
0: If someone's going out looking at houses in a subdivision, mm-hmm. um, do you think they should also go along and maybe have a chat to an architect as well?
1: I don't think it's a bad thing. I think an architect can offer some advice. From what well, certainly they can offer advice, but offer advice based on their experience and. Raise issues, uh, uh, identify issues. I guess as far as just basics like orientation of a house, Mm -hmm. Um, giving some some background as to how how it might perform thermally. Um, So yeah, the orientation of a of a building is something that's quite difficult to change afterwards, and and so that's a sort of basic thing that you need to be thinking about after you've found the area that you want to live in and everything else.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you think there's a problem with not enough houses being seen by architects, in particularly in New Zealand?
1: Oh, as an architect, I'd have to say obviously there is Matthew. <laughs>
0: yeah, load of okay. question. Loaded architects question.
1: should be doing all of their houses without a doubt.
0: Um, so why doesn't that happen? Why? why I mean, it's, yeah, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tiny number, isn't
1: it? Yes. Yeah, it is. It's minuscule in in the big scheme of things, and. I think that there's certainly the opportunity, and, it, and it's, been shown, it's been shown now actually, where group home builders are using the skills um, of architects to improve their basic designs and the, the layout and, and orientation of houses on, different, on sites that they've developed or yeah. are, are purchasing to develop. And I think that's a, a valid and well worthwhile um, exercise. Mm-hmm. To, to become involved, and we, uh, I would imagine most architects would uh, prefer to do the design from scratch and and take it right through to completion where where the family moves in. Uh, but I think anything that anywhere where architects can add add their skills and knowledge to improve the, the basic level of housing stock in New Zealand, I think that's got to be um, it's got to be advanced.
0: So flipping that around a little bit, what advice have you got for other designers to get more of the type of work that that they want to be doing?
1: I, the first thing, I think, is to work out what type of work they want with, without a doubt. Uh, mm-hmm. It needs to be something that gets them excited uh, that can make them some money because otherwise it's not sustainable at all. Yep. And ideally, it's in an area that's, that's a growth area. Uh, and then certainly... The green end of, of the spectrum, I think, is a growth area. Uh, has a huge amount of opportunity. And when you look overseas as, as, as leaders uh, that we're following in the path of, you can see where, the, where that's going. I, from, from a business point of view, I think there's a number of websites that are, are really valuable from, as far as giving experience goes. There's yep. uh, Entrepreneur Architect, uh, Mark LePage in the US. Yes, and I've had him on the show. Yes, right, <laughs> yeah. and uh, of course the Business of, architect, ar- business of Architecture, Enoch Sears, mm-hmm. uh, businessofarchitecture.com, that's both of them offer invaluable experience uh, and knowledge I think um, that, they're, that they're happy to share yep. and uh, I, I think both those two and, and the people that they end up interviewing as well are, are, uh, are good sources of knowledge.
0: Because do you think it's hard for architects? Because you're basically a sole practitioner. Is that is that right?
1: Yes, yes, I am.
0: Do you think it's quite hard to do your art but also run a business as well?
1: Yes, it certainly has its challenges, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, from a, from the very basic level of, uh, Crikey, I've got to do my GST return, yeah. but I also want to get this uh, this concept design together. Which do I spend my time on? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, when it comes down to the crunch, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the balancing is definitely tricky. Yeah, it it's, it offers up other opportunities, though. For instance, working with others, and that's something that I've explored uh, quite a bit, and and something that I enjoy through the internet, uh, through Skype, with um, Twitter, and and you know following others, um, contacting others, working with others identifying projects that you'd like to do and then Googling on the internet to find the partners that you think would bring the skills in to make that happen and and that's all available to us and, and I think that's a fantastic
0: opportunity. So that, right. that's an
1: advantage of being on your own, you have the flexibility to be able to do that.
0: So you, you're on your own but you're collaborating across um, quite bound, big boundaries and across quite significant distances?
1: Yes, yeah absolutely, absolutely.
0: Now, um, we kind of skipped over Passive House a little bit. Um, you, yep. You're obviously uh, enthusiastic about that as a principle. Um, a lot of people can feel that it's a bit over the top for New Zealand. Do you think it's, um, it's appropriate for this climate? I,
1: I do, actually. The, ha- having been into Passive Houses and spent some time in them and uh, buildings that are built to that standard, the level of comfort, if nothing else, is is desirable is a desirable thing uh, when you start paying the the electricity bill at the end of the month, having that been reduced down to its minimum that's it 's a desirable thing yep. uh, you know if you want to open the windows if it 's a beautiful day, then yes open your windows for sure, uh, but being able to come home at the end of the day when the house is being locked up from you know seven o 'clock in the morning until six at night, be able to come home to a warm home that 's not stuffy that 's not cold uh, that's not good doesn't have any mold or mildew or anything else in it that's just a really nice comfortable temperature that's that's a desirable thing
0: so one of the big issues that i think people have with passive house is the air tightness and you mentioned that it's not stuffy why is that the case how how is a passive house not stuffy
1: well generally that's taken care of with a mechanical ventilation system mm-hmm. and that's uh, set up completely as a, as a heat exchange at the same time. So it's taking the, the the more stuffy air out of the house and bringing in fresh air constantly, 24-7. The As they cross over, as they pass each other, the heat is re- reclaimed out of that outgoing air yep. and used to heat the incoming fresh air. So you always have fresh, warm air inside the home.
0: So you're, you're relying on a mechanical system for the house to breathe... Yes. Um uh to make and that's a a true heat recovery, not just a a fan blowing warm air from the roof. <laughs> Correct.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's a it's a really important distinction. That the that the air that's coming in is fresh air from outside, it's fully felt filtered, uh, and then pre warmed and then brought in. That it it's not the air taken from the roof space which in some cases is causing a vacuum and drawing Stale air from underneath the house up through the walls. It's not drawing air from from the dusty space up up in your attic. It's fresh, clean air from outside. So that's important.
0: And what do you say about if people are people often concerned about having to rely on, on a mechanical system if they're thinking they're sort of going down Uber Green route and thinking that everything's natural, but you, you're still having to rely on this mechanical thing for the house just to get air. Is that a problem for people sometimes?
1: I, I think sometimes if they haven't thought too long about it, then yes, uh, certainly in New Zealand it's, it seems a bit unusual. We don't have a, a large history of using air conditioning, for instance, to mm. keep a house cool. But at the same time, we rely on a heated towel rail to keep our towels dry. Yeah. You know, uh, we yeah. rely on the on the fireplace or the heat pump to at the moment to keep the lounge warm. It yeah. uh, doesn't keep the rest of the house warm because it, it's not that well insulated generally, but it keeps yeah, the lounge yeah. warm. So we already rely on mechanical means to keep ourselves warm and healthy.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so, and this this particular way, it, it uses so little energy because the airflow is so slow. Uh, in, in order to get the heat exchange, but it's it's calculated out so that you always have this this. Changing air, fresh air, fresh warm air in your home.
0: That's, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we rely on lights. We're going to every night. That's
0: right. That's right. So it's not much <laughs> different from that. Just uh, no, a like different mentality. Rely on rich,
1: you know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hey, we're well, cool. Uh, look, Duncan, it's uh, great to speak to you. Now, before um, before we wrap up, why uh, why Wanganui? Uh,
1: well, a number of things. One, it's my hometown. It's where I was born and went to school. Yep. Uh, I'd spent. Almost 20 years away before we came back again, and we we came back. Also, I was the contract manager on the hospital redevelopment here mm-hmm. uh, a few years ago, and that's so it was the job also that brought me back. I've got a young family now, and uh, living in the provinces is certainly a lot easier to deal with on a daily basis than it was for us living in Auckland with young children. Yeah, uh, from from a commuting point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you we, we don't miss the commute. <laughs> I mean, we enjoyed our time in Auckland for sure. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, nice. when you're trying to get to after-school activities, it's a lot easier, yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, with uh, with working in architecture now, it's you're able to do work all around the world from anywhere. Yeah, right. Uh, through the internet.
0: And, yeah, uh, perfect. So you're location independent.
1: Yes, yes. That, that has a lot of advantages. Certain, I mean, we have a lot to be thankful for the internet.
0: Yeah, um, okay, so what's your what's your favorite book, Duncan?
1: Uh, well, this one here. If I was, I, I, I thought of a few of them. I guess from a from a design wise point of view or an e- eco point of view, it would have to be the Cradle to Cradle book. Yep. Um, from thinking about everything that we use, from when it's first made to what we do with it at the end of its natural life. Uh, William,
0: William McDowell? Yes, that's the one.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah it's one of my I favorites. It's, yeah, it's such a Critical and, and yeah, critical way to think about the materials and the impact yep. we have on the planet. Yep. Uh, from business wise, it would have to be a book called Maverick by Ricardo Semler, mm-hmm. and that's a, a biography, a, um, autobiography of uh, of his own story taking over his father's business in Brazil and Temco. Simcoe, you've got it, handing yeah. over uh, a lot, huge amount of control to the people that are working in the business. Yeah, yeah, and, and so that they can work more efficiently and more happily, and have more control over their own day-to-day lives at work as well. So nice, I think nice. that's quite critical. And uh, from just a, a good, enjoyable read, I I can't go past Nelson DeMille. Uh, pretty much any one of his books, actually, but I particularly enjoy the Gold Coast. He, he has a very a very dry, excellent sense of humor. I very much enjoy
0: that. Excellent. Oh, well, that's a, a, um, a, a triple recommendation there. <laughs> Appreciate yes. that. Hey, Duncan, um, how can people find out uh, more about Passive House and, and what you do uh, design-wise and where, where can people get in touch?
1: Uh, you can contact me through the website. It's probably the easiest way. That's mm-hmm. uh, www.blackpine.co.nz. Uh, and you can learn a bit more about me and, and my history through that. Uh, there are links there if, to, to my Twitter account and Facebook and, and that sort of thing as well or LinkedIn if you want to see a bit more of my working history.
0: Very nice, simple website, Duncan, I really, I really appreciate that. Thanks, I, Matthew. I like the way that you've um, kept it really clean and simple on your website and but also utilized Pinterest to, to put up a whole bunch of images kind of somewhere else. It's yes. Neat and tidy.
1: I, I tried to capture some of the ideas that appealed to me.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. I think it's a great idea because I think some architects kind of shoot themselves in the foot a little bit with their uh, with their websites. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Hey, thank you very much, Duncan. Really appreciate your time, and uh, keep up the good work.
1: Thanks very much, Matthew.
0: Okay. Cheers. Bye bye. And that was Duncan Sinclair of Black Pine Architects in Whanganui and also lots of other places as we heard Duncan's doing lots of uh, work uh, just before I um, that call out we were talking about a big project that he's working in Auckland on and uh, as he describes doing a lot of work elsewhere which was one of the things that I picked up from that chat with Duncan I hope you found it interesting as well the fact that there are lots of resources and tools out there to do work beyond just your physical location and that goes um, to those who, have, who, you, who are looking at engaging with an architect as well. Don't just be restricted to the people who are right near you physically. Uh, there are loads of really good designers around the country and around the world for that matter uh, that could be just as accessible these days um, through social media, the internet, email. A lot of that design work can be done remotely remotely. So, what are you doing to make use of that in your business or in your project? A couple of other things that I took out from that chat with Duncan was about it's about the people, and it keeps coming back to this, despite the fact that we'd love to think that it's all about the technology and the toys and the the um the gimmicks and the gadgets that we can put into buildings, certainly. Uh, There's a lot of options out there with products and materials and we can make buildings smarter. But at the end of the day, it is all about the people and looking after the people that are going to occupy those buildings. And finally, the good old New Zealand building code. Uh, Duncan highlighted that as probably being one of the big problems. It's it's not so much the code that's a problem though. uh, It's the the fact that we all tend to build to the code as if it's a target rather than the bare minimum that it really is. Hope you uh, enjoyed that. Love to hear your thoughts. If you've got any questions or comments on that show, then do head on over to homestylegreen.com. Also, don't forget to check out blackpine.co.nz and go and have a look at some of uh, Duncan's Pinterest boards that he's um, collected some images of. You can follow those and also check them out on the other social media channels as well, as can... Uh, you also do with Homestyle Green. We're on Facebook, Google+, um, I hang out in LinkedIn occasionally and also on Pinterest as well. Um, now, just before I go, are you working on a project right now and would you like some information about how much energy it might cost or consume uh, when it's done? That's something I'm working on at the moment to find out and to to uh, to calculate or at least estimate the running costs. It's something I'm really interested in um, figuring out the running costs of a house before it's even built, because it stems back to the question about heating usually, and I get a lot of people asking what kind of heating they should use in their home, and I say that the best heating is uh, is the sun and In a lot of cases, you may not need a heater at all, or at least one that's very big. You may not, you may be able to get away with having very, very minimal heating in your home. If that sounds something you're interested in, then get in touch, Matthew at homestylegreen.com. I'm working on a few options at the moment for house modelling, and that is taking a concept through some thermal analysis and checking it out, and doing some pretty smart analysis to see just how much heating would be required in that building and how much it might cost to run. Thanks very much for listening and look forward to talking to you again soon on next episode of Homestyle Green.